1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast. Is going on a road trip.
3: I thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned
1: something from this board. This is uncanny USA.
2: He says somebody's in the house and i screamed
1: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
0: welcome to all the smoke a production of the black effect and our hard radio in partnership with showtime
4: Welcome back to all the smoke. Good? Jose. It's been a, better. It's been a good day. It's, it's about to get even better. Even man, better. we have the legendary Ice Cube in the building today. Cube, appreciate you, man.
3: Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. happening, man? How
4: you Legend feeling in the building? It, man. We Shit. just, you know what I mean? Just trying to track you down and know you're busy man. So, man, so we appreciate your time. 2020, obviously a very difficult time for our country, uh, or the world. Uh, what is what's something you took from 2020?
3: You know, same shit, different toilet. Mm. It's ugly, you know, when you know all the deck is stacked against you. Right. And and you make it known, and you point it out, and you make your case, and nothing changes because, mm-hmm. you know, same people that that got you in this position is the same people that uh, you need to make the changes, mm. so it's uh, you know, same. Like I said, same shit, different toilet.
4: I know it's extensive, but kind of give us the cliff notes with your uh, contract with Black America and what it. What, what's that really about?
3: Well, it's just about you know after, um, you know, a lot of the protests, a lot of people were screaming. Really, what needs to be done? There's a lot that need to be done, mm-hmm. and I was. You know, just I couldn't find the document that really said, hey, these are all the problems right now. And here's are some suggestions to move us forward. So I said, well, let's, you know, I, I, I've tried to find the smartest people I know and I uh, said, let's create this document where the average Joe, anybody can look at this and see. The wide range of problems that need to be solved and get in where you fit in. You know, if you Mm -hmm. feel like you can do something on uh, police brutality, jump in there. You feel like you can do something on voting rights, jump in there. Uh, Banking, uh, venture capitalists, um, you could just jump in where you fit in because these are the wide range of problems. So that was really what the contract with black america was about it's, it's just a foundation it's just a forever growing right. document that you know today if you came with a better idea for section four we would plug it in we would plug it in mm-hmm. and fill it in because we want the experts to step up and help us perfect this document mm-hmm. so you know i just wanted something that anybody can look at college kid Grown folks anybody and say oh this is why
4: mm-hmm. we're in
3: this position it's not just us mm-hmm. it's not just the same old narrative that you know black people can't handle our own affairs mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's just not true right. it's uh it's systematic and you know you would have to be blind not to know that since you came
4: on the scene something you've always been about is, is pro your people that's what you stood for from day one. So when the stuff around the election happened with the Trump team, the Biden team, and you took a lot of heat, it bothered me because, like I said, I've been a fan of you for, since I was young. And the one thing that stands out to me the most is you've always been for the people. So when that kind of shit hit the airwave and the way social media plays with it and, and does what they do, how did that make you feel? And what actually happened?
3: I mean, it's, it's kind of scary when your history don't matter. Crazy, right? It's like no matter how long you've been a stand-up dude, you know the minute somebody sees something you don't like, or you say something somebody don't like, you know they throw you away. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really worried about that. You know, I knew that once I studied the problem, that black people are a pawn in this game. You know, we're political football, and people use our emotions and our uh, passion, uh, our, our fight for justice to get other issues and things solved and, and not necessarily our issues and our things. But it's always piggybacked or our movements are hijacked mm-hmm. in ways. So knowing that, I know that neither party is the answer. Totally it's a problem that both parties created, and it's a problem that both parties gotta solve. Mm. You won't, you know, it's not fair to put it on one side or the other. Right? You know, it's not fair to us. You know, this is a, an, a, an American problem across the board, so it need to be dealt with like that. Um, it's bipartisan issue. Uh, so I wasn't gonna let that stop me, you know, how people feel. You know, I know black people all lean Democrat. Uh, or mostly, so I wasn't going to let that stop me from trying to shake this, um, you know, like I said, this stalemate of of our progress, you know, with, with opinions, you know, well, some people promise us the world or don't promise us enough and don't deliver, and then some people... You know, on the Republican side, I feel like they off the hook that they don't, you know, that's a Democrat problem. Mm -hmm. We don't have to deal with that. And it's just not true. No matter who's the president, we're still in the same position. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a thing where, you know, what I would want us to do as a people is to become independent. Mm -hmm. Not to vote independent, but to hold our vote and say, okay, Democrat X, do something for it, you get it. Or Republican X do something for it, you get it. But you know this whole, you know way we've been going has just not been working.
4: I kind of compared it to to the Jay Z situation when everyone jumped on him for working with it with the NFL. But to me, if you have a seat at the table, you have a, a an actual opportunity to affect the the outcome. And mm-hmm. no matter what situation we like, you said your track record speaks for itself. So whether whatever situation it is you're for us and you have a voice and a seat at the table. So like I said, to me, that bothered me. I commend you for kind of standing because sometimes standing for what's right or, or, or standing on a strong opinion isn't the popular and it ain't easy. But you've been dealing with the kind of negativity and hatred your whole life. So you're a pro at it. But uh, we just wanted to say we definitely respect your, your pace because when you and I talked about your plan with Black America. We didn't end up linking because we both got super busy. But... Definitely proud of it and and want to continue to push forward with the mission.
3: Yeah, I mean it's something you can use to this day. I mean, anybody can go take a look at it and figure out, you know, from their vantage point or from their, you know, um angle how they can, you know, try to solve this problem. You know, nobody has the answers because right. it's a it's a complex problem that um that sometimes you know creates its own weather. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's a, it's a it's a bad situation.
4: Pivoting, um, lifelong Laker fan, uh, big big Showtime Laker fan, um, champion, Absolutely. Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, talk to him. Twenty twenty.
3: Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you. You know, what I mean? yeah. you, <laughs> made, you,
0: you made the year worth living for yeah, real. Man, you tough, know, it's like
3: you know until that happened, I was like, man. It's got to be the worst year ever. ever. So, um, you know, the Lakers, the Dodgers was, you know, my. And I didn't want nobody to play. You know, I know people, if they watch me on on, um, social media, I was like, man, we don't need to play nothing. You know what I'm saying? We just need
0: to focus
3: on the mission at hand. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm glad they played. And give people a little bit of relief, man. Cause you know what 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 we've been doing is giving a lot of energy to, negative, to the negativity. Yeah, that
4: shit is draining, too.
3: And the negativity has sucked our energy, and we've been giving too much energy to the negativity. And we got to give way more energy to positive things. And so, you know, that's the reality of it. Because whatever effect you got a uh um a, a reaction. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like you, you you gotta make sure that you know one thing is gonna cause another. You know what I'm saying? So whatever what you got a reaction, an action, you got a reaction. I I'll get that shit right. You know, I <laughs> went to uh the L.A. Unified School District, so. But you also you got your. I mean. Mean. You also got a college <laughs> <degree>. I'm <playing laughs> If I'm fucking this up.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you know, so giving all that energy to the negativity to the beast is making the beast stronger. Mm-hmm.
4: Talk to us about just when did your journey with the Lakers start? Obviously, uh, you know, I'm from California, so I grew up, even though I was in Northern California, I grew up a uh, Showtime, Magic Johnson, Laker fan.
3: What do you uh, mean, when did it start? It started from the womb. Yeah. It started from, from conception. Mm-hmm. It was in you. Blood was she, in you. Yeah, man. I mean, now it was a purple sperm that hit the egg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, when did it start? I don't understand that question. From jump. <laughs> I don't remember when it, I was in a Lakers yeah, fan, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, seriously, like, when I was 10 years old, my brother sat me down. He was like, yo, I want you to watch this dude. I was just getting into basketball because they was just letting me play. You know, my backyard was some of the most ferocious basketball games. It's like prison ball. yeah. <laughs> you know, so and they were starting to let me play. I was getting strong enough and good enough. And um, he said, I want you to watch this dude. And we watched, it was my first time watching Magic Johnson play Larry Bird in that championship game. And, um, you know, I I, I wanted Magic to win. You know what I mean? He was the cooler dude. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, a few months later, he come get me from outside. He said, guess who's a Laker? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Nowhere in the world I was thinking he was going to say Magic Johnson. So when he said Magic Johnson, something just erupted in me, you know what I mean? It was just like I was glued and locked in, and then that team going to win the championship, mm-hmm. I was done. I don't know how you could get me back from that.
4: What are some of those uh, early, we actually had Jeannie Buss on the show the other day. What are some th- some of the things you remember from that, that Showtime era and, and what it meant to the city?
3: Before Magic Johnson, it seemed like basketball was like a job. It's like everybody was mad, it seemed like. And it seemed like this dude brought in like the fun, the way we played, the, you know, the the pointing and the smiling and like, you know, just the energy mm-hmm. felt like it felt like our street. You know, I grew up on a street called Van Wick. We had a lot of boys on our street. It was very athletic street. So we had fun playing. So to see the Lakers now having fun, playing, running at a showtime, fast break mm-hmm. s- style, it just was uh, electric, man. You know, it just was, you know, I was glued to that team. To me, it was like, and I didn't live too far from the form, sure. you know. Uh, and so just being able to drive past that form sometime, you know, I used to drive past that to basketball practice, and um, just knowing that that my favorite team played right there, you know, it was just uh, I felt lucky to be, you know, in LA and a Laker fan at that time. Be a
4: part of it. Yeah. Fast forwarding into the kind of Kobe and Shaq era, uh, you know, the, the the next great run that the Lakers team had. Um, Thoughts on that team? And, you know, they were able to capture five championships. They probably obviously could have captured more if they stayed together. But just how amazing was it seeing day in, day out, Shaq and Kobe play for your team?
3: I mean, seeing them at that form, like, the form is so intimate. Um, You know, you could hear my voice yelling at the refs. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it, it was just magical to get Shaq. It was like, oh, damn. I, I just couldn't believe the Lakers pulled that off. You know, I have seen the Lakers pull off stuff, you know, like uh, you know, McAdoo and you know, these players that should be like, damn, we got him to make us better. Mm-hmm. And, but to get Shaq was like, I guess it is how it felt when they got Kareem. You know, I wasn't really hip when they got Kareem, but it was it was remarkable. And so I'm there to see Shaq and my wife say, Did you hear about the young kid we got? And I'm like, nah. And he looked, she's like, we got a young kid, 18. I'm like, 18? I'm like, is he seven foot tall? Because if he ain't seven foot, he ain't going to make it. Because back then, right. it was, it was like big. you had to be a big to come mm-hmm. out of high school. Mm-hmm. And um, he came in the game and uh, he got loose and, and, and dunked and I just told my wife, I said, you know, we ain't never had nothing like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, like, we ain't never had nothing like that. So I was just on Kobe. You know, even though we had Shaq, I'm I'm just locked in on Kobe and just seeing his progression as a pro. And I'm yelling, Dale Harris, put him in. Put in Kobe. Put in Kobe. I'm yelling, you know what I'm saying? Because Dale Harris was just, keep this kid on the bench all mm-hmm. game. Oh, I'm like, damn, man. Come on, neck gun.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you naked gun,
3: get him in there.
0: Oh shit. What's your most memorable live performance by Kobe? It gotta be
3: the comeback. Um when your seventh game. Portland. Portland. Um, you know, I was in the suite uh with the homie K-Mac, and we we like how did we how did this happen to us we in there reading the uh the eulogy like
0: how
3: we in the fourth quarter <laughs> in the fourth quarter we losing by 15 17 mm-hmm. and we just looking at each other saying how did this happen man and i'm like i'm just going to watch the rest of the game i'm like watching and you know that comeback. You start to feel that, that energy, momentum mm-hmm. sw- switch. and, and I started doing the calculations in my head. I'm like, "Yo, we get this down to this before the five minute mark."
0: Got shot.
3: Ooh, you know what I'm saying? And they just coming, 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 and you know, seeing him do that dunk,
0: mm-hmm. um, the crossover, the, the crossover
3: the lob. lob, and seeing that that you know explosion was crazy. Now. I missed the eighty one game. I was out I was in Cabo with my wife. We was in Mexico. We watched it on T V, but I'm like, damn, the day we don't go, (laughs) we go for eighty one. And then I miss his farewell game because I'm filming Barbershop three or something in Hmm. Atlanta and and I can't come to that last farewell game. So Hmm. I missed the sixty point Hmm. game. But um I didn't miss nothing else. Mm. I didn't miss nothing else. That's big. So you
4: co-narrated the 30 for 30 Lakers-Celtics thing. The Lakers obviously hung their 17th banner. Uh, Talk to us about the experience of being able to do that for a team you grew up idolizing. Now you're narrating a story for them.
3: Man, this whole life is surreal, you know. (laughs) For real. It's, um, we started, we was, you know, our favorite groups was in, you know, Run DMC and, and all the East Coast groups, we thought those was the pros, and we was trying to be that. And so to be able to create our own niche of music and become our own, you know, celebrities, and then get a chance to share stages with Run DMC and get get a chance to get invited to all-star games mm-hmm. and meet your favorite, uh, you know, uh, athletes, entertainers, And then for somebody to come and tell you, look, we want you to narrate, you know, this precious rivalry Mm. that you lived through. Mm. I mean, in 84, when the Lakers lost to the Celtics, I was this close to killing somebody. I was like, (laughs) I was this close to killing somebody because I had never experienced this whole Celtic Laker rivalry. You know, my thing was like, I hate them 76ers because they beat us in, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they beat us in 82, they beat us in 83. Don't worry about no Celtics. We yeah. got Magic. We got, we got Kareem. We got Worthy, mm-hmm. you know. And so, do we have Worthy? We don't have Worthy I don't think. But anyway, my brother, when, we, when he was like, yo, we playing the Celtics, he just got sad. He was like, oh, damn. I'm like, what? We can beat him. He was like, <laughs> Man, I lived through this. I lived through the 60s. We couldn't beat these dudes. Mm. And, and we lost. And I just, you know, I was crushed. So, you know, long story short, we finally beat them in 85 and mm-hmm. then beat them again in 87. You know, they got us when we were shorthanded, but we beat them again. But, you know, so I had real feelings, real passion for that mm-hmm. as a kid crying over these games. And to be able to uh, put that on wax, so to speak, Mm -hmm. it was just uh, you know it was just one of those dream come true moments.
4: Talk to us about your upbringing and how you find your path into music.
3: I grew up like everybody else, you know, nothing, um, nothing special, you know what I'm saying, but nothing crazy. Um, You know, we had a you know a neighborhood that you know, anything could jump off. You know what I'm saying? You just had to be ready for for everything. You know, most of the time it was cool, though. But sometimes you had to, you know, it could get, you know, violent. It could get uh, crazy or, you know, or it would be cool, you know. So you just had to be ready for all that and, you know, find your pecking order. You know, it was a pecking order in the hood. You had to, Knuckle up and figure out where you yeah. where you fit at. And once you found out where you fit at, you was cool. You know, you knew, okay, this dude is in my range. This dude is out of my range. I got to get with this one. I might need to go grab my brother, and we might need to mop him together. You know what I'm saying? So it was, you know, it was a, a, that kind of neighborhood. You just had to be tough enough. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, and music came because, you know, I wanted to be creative, you know what I mean? I wanted to be productive and not destructive. I wanted to either play sports, uh, or do something else, you know what I'm saying? um, banging, it didn't really turn me on, like, Mm -hmm. something I had to do, you know? I just was like, I'm gonna just be down for me. Anybody sweat me for, f- about where I'm from, and then you know I'll go get the homies about that, but I'm gonna just be <laughs> down for me, yeah, and so um, that's how I approached it, and it's got it it uh it led me where I was looking for different avenues, and then you know Sir James moves down the street from me, and his cousin is Dr. Dre, and so he's the only one on our street with turntables. This is Jinx. Turntables with, you know, he bringing cardboard outside. He's spinning on his head and shit. And we like, we down the street looking like, what's up with this dude? <laughs> you know, we didn't know about breaking and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But he was graffiti. He just was a B-boy. You know, he was the, you know, the hip-hop guru on the street. So I started to go down there and hang with him because I used to go out with his sister. So I just go hang with him. What age was this? Uh, Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. and uh, and people would trip. They'd be like, "Man, why are you going out to hang that weirdo?" Man, I'm like, <laughs> "Man, I said we be some. doing some dope shit in that room, mm-hmm. man." I start rhyming, and and me and him, you know, we just start working. He would put on beats. He would help me rhyme on beat because I didn't have no beats. I was just acapella, you know what I'm saying? So. Helped me then. then Dre came through one day and heard me rhyme. And Dre kind of took me under his wing. Um, because him and Jinx, I mean, Jinx would always want to compete with him. Mm-hmm. Jinx, would be, I'm a better DJ than you, nigga. I'm a better, I do be, better beats. I do better everything. Dre would be like, come on, man. It's, you know, stall me out with that. <laughs> but I would be, you know, more helpful, you know what I'm saying? I was like, what y'all working on? As the record crew you know what i'm saying like let me write something for you mm. you know what i'm saying i was like trying trying to, mm-hmm. trying to get in and i wrote something for him and it was a hit mm-hmm. we wrote it together me and drake and it was a hit and they, they they had a they had slow jam hits like turn mm-hmm. off the lights and yep. shit but this was actually a hit that was moving that they was playing all day on the radio so he trusted me right he started doing mixtapes he would do traffic jams for the radio station you start doing mixtapes for the hood, and he'd be like, I want you to rap on it, but mm. don't worry about what you say. Just rap about the shit that's, you know, them, them raps that you rap about the shit that's going on around here. Do them raps. So I'm like, all right. You know, they got cussing in them. It's like, it don't matter. It don't matter.
0: Mm.
3: Before we was thinking, if you cuss, Can't do you it. won't get on the radio. Can't you know what it. I'm saying? You, it was like, you don't do that unless you want it to be Blowfly or do- dolomite or some shit, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, so he was like this ain't we ain't, we ain't trying to sell these on the radio, so you can cuss on them if you want to. So I just started rapping about what was going on in the neighborhood, the shit I was seeing, and then those tapes were selling, it was selling fast, and then Easy came up on one of those tapes, tracked down the dude who got a made and was like who's who doing this? So that's dre' And he like dr dre i know dre so he started coming around us mm-hmm. and um he wanted to be in the music business Wanted wanted to get out the dope game, and and dre was like uh you should have q write something for one of your groups because he was finding groups he was finding these like rappers all over the city you know and like to find a rapper back then, that shit was like a hard. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Everybody wasn't rapping, mm-hmm. and if they was, they wasn't good enough right. to put on a record. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wrote a rhyme for him, and they didn't like it. And then Trey got easy to do it, and you know it's all in the movie Boys and Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. that's how I got in.
5: Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC, wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: When did you kind of realize that this NWA thing y'all was thinking about was becoming reality?
3: So when we went to the studio and started recording, you knew you, you had some immediately. Yeah, because we already had hit hits with Easy. We had hit singles with Easy. So when Easy said, "Like I want to, I want an all star group." Mm. See, so NWA is considered an all star group, right? Because we all came from our own. I was in a group called CIA,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which was um uh, criminals in action, but.
4: That was early. Like Alonzo made us change it to
3: crew in action,
4: huh? That was like, what, like 14, 15. How old were you in that?
3: Um, I was about 17. 17? 17, 18. And uh, he said, man, let's do an all-star group. You know, you got Easy e pull Dre from uh, Wrecking Crew, and pull you from CIA. And then we start working. And as we work working, more people start kind of coming around. Then Arabian Prince started to hang. It was like, well, Arabian Prince was working really a lot with Uncle Jam's Army. So he was like, you part of the All-Stars too. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, Yella, the record crew had broke up. Dre wasn't really messing with on no more. So Yella came over with us. And um, and it was us. As soon as we did a record, I went off to school. Mm-hmm. I went to uh school in, in Phoenix called P-I-T, Phoenix Institute of Technology. And I go off to school, and then they had shows because we had a hit record. But I couldn't make it to all of them, so Ren start coming not, around. Not to
4: cut you out, but what made you leave your passion and, and go to school? Did you think it wasn't going to
3: pan out? Or Shit, was it? it was just a passion. Okay. You know, we was like making tapes with all that cussing on them was one thing, but making a record with all that cussing on them, mm-hmm. we was like, man, ain't nobody going to. Why you gonna play this shit? It's, we not about to be big stars from this. So we be neighborhood fucking, stars. Go to we have a couple of people knowing our records through the neighborhood, probably. But this shit is too hard. Who gonna mm. play this? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So we just back then, you just figured it was too hard for anybody to play. But people in the neighborhood. So, but we was fine with that. We was like, if we if we just stars in Compton, Watts, South Central. Inglewood, blah, blah, blah. Shit, we got a better life than we had before we mm. were stars in Compton, Inglewood, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I need to have something to fall back on because I ain't about to be a professional rapper, mm. not rapping this shit right here. Imagine that. So
4: crazy, right? I went
3: off to school and uh, it started blowing up while I was in school. Mm.
4: You got the you degree too, right?
3: Well, I got a certificate. It was only four years. It's a trade school, okay. y'all. It ain't a university. Let's so, yeah, I got it. I stayed. I wasn't going to leave, even though I wanted to, every damn day. Hmm. I, I, I was like, man, I started this shit. I'm going to finish it. Shit. It's only a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, man, they would call me from the road. Nigga, are you crazy? What are you doing? Said, man, I'm doing the homework. <laughs> 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 Bye. Man, hang up. I'd be sitting there saying, damn. I was so frustrated one day, I tore up. Fuck the police. I tore it up, threw it in the trash. Because I figured we were not going to do it. And my homie, Phoenix Phil, shout out to Phoenix Phil. He was like, no. Nope. I didn't tear it up, I bought it up. He pulled it out, and he flattened it back out and put it in my notebook. I was like, no, that's too good.
4: Mm. Yeah. How instrumental was Easy in all of this?
3: Very instrumental. You know what I'm saying? He was you know, putting up all the money for the project. And he was saying what kind of records we need to make. Um, Lazo wouldn't let us make those kind of records. You know, he was like, man, this thing was like, nobody want to hear about a nigga going to jail. You know what I'm saying? That was his biggest thing. And I'm like, you know, is he right? I don't know. Who knows? I'm, I'm young. I'm 17 years mm-hmm. old. And, um, Easy was like, man, these are the kind of records I like. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna put my money behind them. Mm-hmm. And these are the kind of records I'ma do. And that's just it. So once he kinda let us do our thing, like we was harnessed a little bit. Well, I wasn't in the wrecking crew, but I did a record for Lonzo and uh the wrecking crew. And Lonzo was a good dude, you know what I mean he he could have kicked us, you know, we was getting on his nerves and shit. He could have kicked us out. I mean, leave my artists alone. Like y'all kids, get away from here. But he was cool, and um, and then Easy came around and just kind of let us do what we, the, the hardcore hip hop that we really wanted to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so he was a genius, mm-hmm. that- and uh, you know, he was just a genius at knowing what people wanted.
0: Take us through the creation of Straight Outta Compton. You know, it was a fun
3: record to make. Um, you know, you had Dre's undivided attention. You know, to have him um, very hyped and motivated is, you know, one of the best places an artist can find itself in. Is in the in the room with Dre, and he's hyped and motivated about, you know, making this song what it's supposed to be. It's gonna be work. It ain't gonna be just going in there and rap your lyrics and come out. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get every phrase and every line perfect. And so I knew like, you know, if I just went to the, went to the studio with, a, with some ideas that, you know, he may pick a few of them, implement them into the song and to see that process too uh, is incredible. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think it was a lot of friendly competition. 'cause we was all trying mm-hmm. to out rhyme each other uh d o c doesn't get a lot of credit for writing a lot of those those uh verses The d o c the doc, he wrote a lot of that uh of easy's verses on not only his album but but on on n w too. so um we was just all trying to outdo each other out rhyme each other you know and because Dre would tell you straight up, like, if you ain't dope, you're not going on the record. Mm. And if you listen to the record, <laughs> it's some records that some people own, some records that some mm. people ain't. And mm. he didn't come with it that day. So, mm. you know, he give you a chance to go back and try to make it right. And He'd take your ass off of that record. And that's the worst <laughs> feeling in the world. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, what's it like working with with Dre? I mean, you said like he kind of took you under his arm and and kind of taught you part of the game. But what is it like? What, what kind of mad scientist is he back there? Because I've seen someone like Kobe work and, and what his brain and how crazy he is with perfection and being great. Is it similar with Dre?
3: Yeah. You know, at some points it's frustrating because you like, this shit is bananas, and it's not for him yet. You know what I mean? It's like, mm, not quite. <laughs> and you're like, what? And you don't understand. He's like, what's wrong with my ears? I man? you know, you're going in the bathroom, you're shaking your ears out. You're like, what? I don't hear. Mm. This shit is crazy. And, man, he'll shelf that song. You'll never hear it again. Mm. And you'll be like, man, what about the song we did? 04, <laughs> you know, that you still holding on to. That shit are hitting now. Like, nah, man, we got to do something new. So, you know, that could be frustrating. Mm-hmm. But when you let them go, they usually right. you know. So it's just, I mean, how is it in the kitchen with your mama when she cooking Thanksgiving dinner? You know what I'm saying? You step back and. Try not to get in the fucking way, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And like, when do we eat? Best, best you know what Ooh. I mean? That's how it's like, you Ooh. know. When I mean? you just going smelling around, you seeing, you know, all the musicians there, and you know it's gonna be hot. You just gotta worry about your rhymes and your delivery.
4: So, luckily, the homie from from uh, Phoenix saved. Fuck the police. Was there any hesitation? Because at that time, like a song like that is just absolutely unheard of. Was there hesitation by anyone in the group once you presented? Was everyone really just like, let's get this shit?
3: Yeah, it was hesitation. Dre, he didn't want to do the song because he had an ankle bracelet on and he was doing weekends at the county. They was making him. <laughs> so <laughs> he, didn't he want to was get like, punished. I was like, man, fuck. He said, man, I ain't, I ain't, so I got to deal with these fucking sheriffs, man, every weekend and, and I ain't going in there with a song like this, man. So no. <laughs> so I, I didn't think it was going to get made. Until, you know, months later when we was, you know, doing the record. Because we had did some solo records, you know, before we did Dope Man. We did Gangsta Gangsta. So we was going to do another solo record, which was Fuck the Police. And he was like, not that one. So um, after all that blew over, after he, you know, kind of, you know, had that case dismissed or whatever. He was down to do it because he didn't have to see him every weekend. <laughs> I was—I wrote the song because I was mad he would have to go in on the weekends because he was our way into every party in the city. You know, I'm like we were Drake, nigga. What's up? We go in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Without him, I was like hey, 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 who, who, <laughs> who y'all with? We were we was with Dre last week. He's like it ain't it ain't last week, homie. <laughs> Don't get to the back of the line. So. Our partying was on E. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We was house partying. I'm <laughs> like, man, this house party shit is dangerous. You know what I'm saying? We need to go back to some clubs like skating rinks and shit like that, you know. And Dre so, wants to
4: get in free card. Straight up.
0: You sure with Dre, you're getting in free. <laughs> straight out of Copter reach platinum level. How big was that? It was incredible. You know, just being
3: able to you know go across the country see that see that record like move in a wave of underground greatness you know wasn't being blasted on every station but it was moving like it was and so we was proud and we was proud that uh the groups we had looked up to now was um engaging with us on a whole nother level you know before it was like you know what's up Mm -hmm. now it was like hey yo that record Mm -hmm. y'all got Mm -hmm. is crazy you know so Mm. it was that kind of interaction with you know the lls of the world the slick ricks Mm -hmm. uh chuck d flav chuck d was always cool when we was just opening up chuck d was cool with us Mm -hmm. but you know Back then, you know, MCs would be like, yeah, that's your crew, this our crew. And the mingling was, you only mingle with who you knew. And so, it was cool to to start getting some of the respect and um, from the groups that we respected. Mm-hmm. So, that's what was amazing about it. Because you could be in the game, you know, y'all both uh, NBA players. And money is cool. Rings are all right. That respect yeah yeah it's everything it's
4: everything
3: it means more than all that other shit combined that people don't look at you and be like man look at that suck ass nigga." you know what i'm saying (laughs) people look and be like salute for the way you were the way you played um and and who you are you know that's more important than anything Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't don't realize that you know you lose that respect and it's hard to get it back can
4: can you imagine the movement you guys had, how you've captivated everyone if there was social media back then?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it would have been maybe too fast to sustain itself. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I like this the organic way. The slow burn. I like having, you know, the underground find out about us and then mm-hmm. the mainstream is... Nervous, scared, few of them have enough courage to bump it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, yeah. and I just like that energy that, you know, it organically grew as a movement um, and not an overnight quick pop, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because it could burn fast. I mean, NWA already burnt hot, you know, it burnt mm-hmm. hot, Korea. you know what I mean? It's about... <laughs> It's about three years of funk, You know what I'm saying? And it's over. Maybe Mm -hmm. two years of red hot NWA. You know what I mean? 87, 89, and it's over.
4: It's crazy to think that, but the impact you had in that small amount of time was, I mean, really changed changed the game completely.
3: I mean, it's the family tree. It's the branches. It's the roots and the branches and the, you know, Dre is the trunk and we are the branches off that. So, you know, that's what, That's the movement, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's all, it's the whole West Coast movement. It intertwines together in a way.
4: As athletes, you know, Jack and I never really kind of got to appreciate what we've been through and the experiences we had until we were done. I mean, you're not done, but you're not in it as heavy as you were in the past. Do you ever just sit back and think, like, damn, like,
3: we did this? Yep. You know, but I I did that every step of the way. You You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't want to. You know, I want to be present, you know what I'm saying? I don't want right. to be uh, taking anything for granted, right. you know what I'm saying? So I always, you know, just kind of reflect and give thanks and praise for all the blessings right. and um, and recognize them you know, in real time.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with EZ your reconciliation before his passing. Uh, talk to us about that and how important it was to uh, reconcile with him before his untimely passing.
3: Man, it was very, you know, I feel very, um, you know, satisfied because I was able to do that. Um, I think I would be, you know, real restless, you know, about it a little more if. If he didn't know what he really meant to me, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, outside the bullshit, and I was able to express that, and we was able to truly get past it. You know, sometimes you could say, you know, we squashed this shit, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, we squashed, all right. You know, but you ain't about to mess with dude ever Mm -hmm. again. You know what I'm saying? But but sometimes you can squash it, and it really be squashed. Mm -hmm. And you just... Continue like it never even happened almost. And I knew that I was going to reach out to him. I was going to work with him if he wanted to. If if he could put NWA back together Mm. and get Dre back on, I was going to work with him. So, you know, I just knew that, you know, um, we really squashed our beef that day. So it was great.
4: Your departure for NWA, obviously it was portrayed in the film and you can read about it and we know about it. But for those who don't, what was your main reason behind leaving NWA?
3: I just felt like we wasn't uh, the top priority of the management. I felt like it was a conflict of interest in a lot of ways that... um, Jerry Heller was so close to um, owning and running ruthless with Easy that him being our manager, that he would look out for Easy, and not really in WA. So that was one conflict, and he just proved me right on how he was dealing with my business in particular. Mm-hmm. And... um and he straight up lied on my mom's. You know what I'm saying? He, like, he he lied on her for no reason. There's no reason to lie on her. And so as a youngster, all them other things you can kind of get with, but, but but one thing is the straw breaks the camel's back. Yep. And that was it. And I'm like, a man that'll lie mm. to a dude about his own mama is not a man to be trusted. Really I didn't trust them. I didn't sign the contracts when they was presented, and they they ostracized me and and what was crazy is like when once I left the group they uh they started to pay me like once I had a solo deal, <laughs> they started to pay me, and I didn't understand and I went to my manager, Pat Charbonnet, and i'm like why why they uh Paying me now? Yeah, why they paying me now? It's like, they cause all this shit. We got feuds in the street. We got mm. records against, against each other and all kind of shit. Like, why they paying me now? <clears throat> he said, because mm, you were right. And um, they don't want you to sue them. And I said, well, why they didn't just pay me when I was in the group? <laughs> he said, well, they would have had to pay everybody else. Mm. So they'd rather mm. get you out the way and not have to pay for other people. You know what I'm saying? So,
0: some bullshit. Dirty gay. Yeah, it's dirty. America's mm-hmm. Most Wanted. The album cover you said is you, the one you're most proud of. Why is that?
3: That one's dope because it, you know, it was a new technique, you know, Overland, if you really look at that artwork. Mm-hmm. And so, I was just, Proud of what it stood for, the symbolism in it, like uh, all of Los Angeles is behind me,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know what I mean, and and or all of the countries behind me. It depends on which way I'm right. standing, you know, mm-hmm. you know if I'm facing if I'm facing the west, I got the whole country behind yeah. me. Yeah. So I like that um, because. You know, that's how we got to move to to get some kind of justice around here mm-hmm. yeah, as a unit.
4: What goes through the process when you're creating album covers?
3: Trying to have something that's stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Trying to have something that when you see it, it explains what's in it. Like when you see the album, that the album represents the flavor of the record that that's coming. in there. You know, I think it's all art and it has to be treated like art or it's not, you know what I mean? Either it's art, either it's entertainment and music, or it's not. It's street, you know, regular old amateur shit.
4: You You make your acting debut uh, in Boys in the Hood, something that I read that you didn't really want to do, you didn't want to act. How Mm -hmm. important or how thankful for you that you actually did, and how impactful do you feel that classic
3: of Hood is. You know, I didn't want to act because I didn't think I was qualified. I thought you had to go to Juilliard or some kind of Mm -hmm. school on, like, like the shit on fame. You know what I'm saying?
4: You
3: had to, to, like, go to one of them schools to actually be an actor or you was just bullshitting. So, I was like, why you want me? You know what I mean? I'm like, there's a lot of actors around here. And it's John
4: Singleton, too, that wants you.
3: With John Singleton, he was, just an intern at at uh, the Arsenio Hall show. You know, that's how it started. Man. Man, I'm, I'm back there. I'm near to see Arsenio because I want to give him a piece of my mind
0: because
3: <laughs> he had the Two Live Crew on the show and he wouldn't have NWA on. And I'm mm, like, mm-hmm. man, the Two Live Crew, that's some dirty shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, why you can't have us on? But I never got a chance to talk to him about it. Instead, I spent all my time talking to this little intern, Charles Singleton, who's telling me that I'm perfect for his movie. You know, and I'm like, yo, movie? He's like, yeah, man, I'm a junior. I'm a junior at USC, and I got a movie that's perfect for you.
0: Ooh. Like, all right, man. That's crazy.
3: All right, man. I end up seeing him a year later. He runs up to me. He says, remember me? And I'm like, nope. He said, Arsenal Hall show. Remember the movie I told you that you was right for? I'm like, yeah. He said, man, I'm a senior now at USC, and uh, I'm going to put you in this movie. I all right, man. All right. All right, dude. You know, whatever. I leave NWA, go solo. Public Enemy got a show at the palace out here in Hollywood. I go. Dude tapped me on the shoulder is John Singleton. On your ass. Remember me? <laughs> I said, I remember your ass now. <laughs> What's up, man? You got a movie for me. I know, I know. What is it? What is it? So yeah, I know. I just want to tell you about it. I said, all right, all right. So after the show, we in the parking lot and he telling me the movie, like damn near. I'm like, what, what, what? You know, I'm ready to leave. And his ride leaves him. So, he has to ask me for a ride to his dorm.
4: <laughs> to his day. So, I'm like, Asking damn, cream, homie. That's crazy.
3: Damn. So, but, you know, I'm like, right. I, don't want the, I don't want this dude to get hurt out here. I said, all right. I said, I'll drive you. I don't hear nothing from him. You know, I drop him off that day. We didn't even exchange numbers. It was just like, all right, man. And Because I never really believed him. And then my manager months later said, uh, somebody want to put you in a movie. You know, she was even surprised. She was like, somebody want to put you in a movie. Who? What? Huh? I had forgot all about this dude. You know, months go by. I'm trying to be the best rapper in the world. I ain't thinking about acting at all. He sends the script. It's like, yo, you got to audition. I throw the script in the backseat of my car. I fold the sides, which are the shit I got to practice. Put that in my pocket and never look at it. And I go to the audition, and when I get to the audition, it's him sitting there. He's like, remember me? I'm like, (laughs) yeah.
0: This your movie?
3: He said, yeah, I told you I was going to do it. You didn't believe me. I said, man, I did not believe you. And he said, all right, listen, I want you to be dope with this shit. He said, you you ready? And I'm like, oh, let me find these sides out of my pocket. Reading them. I'm like, I'm reading them whack. I'm whacked. The audition is garbage. And he looks at me. He's like, Man, did you read my script? I was like, Nope. <laughs> said, did you read the size? I was like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Cute, man. Come on, man. He said, Look, I'll give you one more shot, dude. Go home, read the whole script, start to finish tonight, and then come back tomorrow. And once I read it, I'm looking at my wife, Kim. I'm like, damn, they doing a, they doing a movie about our neighborhood. Mm. Read this shit. This is about how we grew up. So I'm tripping that. I'm like, damn, this is movie worthy. I'm looking at it. It's like, yeah, I guess so. They doing a movie on it. Mm. I guess it's movie worthy. Damn, niggas care about how we grew up. All right. So I go in the next day and I kill it. I'm ready, you know, and he give me the part and he, kind of coached me through the movie between him uh lawrence fishburne mm-hmm. you know and uh cuba Gooding jr you know they 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 held me down on that movie and helped me get through it that's dope
4: yeah question we asked Dion this too was your curl wet or dry back then
3: Come on now, you know I had a dry curl <laughs> with a wet look. Come insane, on baby. Insane, insane. Insane. It looked
0: wet but, but it was, it was dry. dry.
3: Yeah, man, you had to get the right, you know, kind. You know what I'm saying? You had to get the right, you know.
4: It you looked right. Wet, yeah, but yeah. But it was dry. It was
3: dry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, I used to see dudes dripping. I'd be like, "Homie, <laughs> Not too much. You giving us a bad name." <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: that's because I met my dad in the early '80s. His shit dripped like in the yeah, early, I, I early going '80s. Yeah, I'm going for that drip.
3: That's I why he's going all for it. These I days, was going to be wiping chemical. my neck off all day. Like <laughs> we're going to gonna get it, it to towel, well, gonna this shit under control. I'm going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: like, your pop used to carry a towel he him. had a white towel around his shit yeah that shit was <laughs> why whack? you
3: just pat that shit down a little bit man <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gotta have it
0: dripping that's why he ain't got no hair now oh, yeah. chemicals
3: yeah yeah them chemicals that shit burn some <laughs> standout sand.
0: some standout moments from the set Uh, with, from John Singleton you remember the part you know outside where the
3: dude pull the gun shoot the AK yeah. and we yeah. all pull off yeah all oh, that's real. Not, not, not. of course, it's a film, him shooting a gun. But they did not let nobody know it was going to be real gunshots. You know, they you said- You almost hit somebody. Who to- you oh, almost hell? ran over to
0: some dude's leg at the end. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. I thought it was real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, it's- there's a lot of people out there, you know what I mean. It's 60s right. out there. It's mm. it's everybody out there watching us film, mm-hmm. and it's the people in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then John kept saying on the bullhorn, "When I say bang, 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 everybody run!" Like it's a, you know, we like all right. It's so like, "Yeah, I'm gonna tell." Okay, when I say bang, bang, all right, say bang, 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 so we can do this. But when it was time to shoot, they pulled out a real AK. Let it off. <laughs> it's a whole story. Just see how everybody react. <laughs> that's real. Everybody, I'm trying, I, I was trying to get out of there. I thought, movie over.
0: Yeah. This shit is Huck turned Quentin's out. Business. I'm saying, but, but how, how, how could they, how could they act that good with Cube almost take this no, moment off? That's real. <laughs> right. I'm trying to get out of there. Yeah. I'm thinking, this movie
3: over. Somebody yeah. like dead. Somebody <laughs> killing. I mean, it's AK for real. So, he got us on that one, man. You yeah. know, you That's know, resetting dope. that scene, boy. It was hard to get people to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Still, Still, running. Running. <laughs> Still running. It's like, yeah. they call you, come back, man. We did that on purpose. What, what? We did it on the No, wait, I'm, I'm going to my trailer.
0: No, come back. Because that know, was in the real time. That could really happen on set. Yeah. yeah. Man, we
3: Nobody shot movies around there. You know what I mean? It was mm. like, it was so many it was it was that element already out there watching us yeah. shoot this big ass Crenshaw scene like taking over the street they love so we didn't know what was going to happen mm-hmm. we was worried about that the whole time we got threatened you know what i mean when we we when when they heard that we we heard Ice Cube supposed to kill some bloods in the movie Mm. That it was a problem. They wanted to, you know, sweat John Singleton like, <laughs> why he killing bloods in the movie? This, that, and the other. It's like, man, this is a movie, movie Yeah, they tell the about story. That shit. So, um, yeah, it was some issues because we did it right there in the jungle,
0: mm-hmm. you know
3: what I'm saying? And right where they be, and they, they wasn't happy. They wasn't happy about it. Mm. But, you know. Somebody got paid, I guess. They let it happen.
4: Classic. I mean, this is your first film, but you get the chance to work with a a Lawrence Fishburne, obviously a John Singleton in Cuba. What was that like for you, kind of your introduction into this new space?
3: I was big fans. You know, I was a big fan of Lawrence Fishburne, you know, from uh, Cornbread, Earl and Me and shit. You know what I'm saying? I love that movie. And I was like, damn, you the little boy in Cornbread, Earl and Me? He was like, yep. Then I loved him in Apocalypse Now. You know, what I'm saying I didn't know Cuba Gooden Jr. and you know Angela Bassett and all Nia these Long. people, Neil Long. I didn't, I didn't know them, but they was dope actors, and mm-hmm. I was like, they in the movie, so they must be, they must be official. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we got, we did a lot of rehearsals, like improv, where you know I really was able to get my feet up under me, get my balance on what it takes to to do good acting and what it takes to be bad, you know. I may have done some bad acting in movies, but, you now he was just showing me the way, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Terms and conditions apply.
2: AT connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of Spoken Audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything.
5: AT&T. I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: 1995, how did Friday present itself? What kind of experience was, was that?
3: I wrote that with the homie DJ Pooh.
0: DJ Pooh, Poo. Yeah, DJ
3: Pooh. shout out. We have been big fans of Hollywood Shuffle. You know, shout out to Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend, he's a genius. You know, without Robert Townsend, there is no Friday mm-hmm. because he, you know, shot that movie with a damn credit card down there. You know, he showed us like, don't wait on Hollywood, man. Gorilla that shit if you have to mm-hmm. and tell your story. So and um he has some great comedians, you know. I I I stole John Witherspoon from mm. from uh, from uh, Robert Townsend, and so we was fans of that. We was fans of In Living Color, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we had saw so many movies about how we grew up from Boys in the Hood to to, Menace to Society to South Central, even Colors. We was like, damn man, niggas think it's Vietnam around here. It's like, is it that bad? I mean, we didn't we have fun around here mm-hmm. a little bit? Didn't we? It's laugh? Like, yeah. It's like, man, let's write a movie about how we looked at all this shit instead of how, you know, we don't want nobody to feel sad for how we grew up. You know what I'm saying? Or be like, damn, you know, y'all surprise y'all ain't in prison. Mm-hmm. So, um, we just wanted to have fun. And, you know, have two dudes on the porch just tripping off how crazy their neighborhood is. And um, and that's how the ball started to roll on, you know, what Friday was going to be about. How
4: would you find Chris Tucker?
3: I saw him on Def Comedy Jam. You know, shout out to Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. Saw him on Def Comedy Jam. And I was like, this kid is funny as hell. And then he did a small little part in house party three and i was like <clears throat> kid and play fucked up because they did not use this kid enough in mm. this movie so i was like if i get a movie i'm i gotta find something for this dude and i felt the same way about bernie mac too mm. um and so friday came up and we were gonna raise the money and do it ourselves but then new line came in and said, you know, we want to get y'all the money, co-own it with y'all. And so we was like, cool, you know, because it was struggle, it was a struggle to get the amount of money we needed to shoot it right. So we was happy to have, you know, shout out to Bob Shea, you know, uh, when uh New Line knew what they was doing. But mm-hmm. but uh shout out to Bob Shea. And so they uh come on and they say, I say, I don't want y'all to do the movie. Cause y'all gonna mess it up y'all don't know what y'all don't know what this is this this is some hood shit that i don't see y'all mess up too many movies mm. They was like we won't touch it we won't touch it just bring us the finished movie basically mm. He was like okay give us the money so they said one thing though um i had i had dj pooh playing Smokey. Mm-hmm. It me and him and They was like you've been in movies q but Who hasn't? So we need somebody to be Smokey. We can get Pooh another part, but Smokey is in most of the movie. We need us. Mm -hmm. How about Tommy Davidson? I'm like, I like Tommy, but we gotta have somebody kind of unknown. Like you gotta believe he ain't nobody but Smokey. I mean, I'm already Ice Cube doing a comedy. Mm -hmm. You gotta believe I'm Craig. So we need somebody you don't know. So. I was like, I know this kid, Chris Tucker. And everybody was like, who? No. No. Nah. Boom, boom, boom. I was like, y'all just put him in a fucking movie. Y'all saying no. Y'all put him in House Party 3. I said, man, get a dude to audition. Fly him out here. Let's give him an audition. And once we got on that, like, we auditioned together, it was a wrap. It was so, over. i like, told you, told you, told you, told you, <laughs> told you. Told
4: you. <laughs> But transitioning, obviously, you were able to make more Fridays losing him but then picking up Mike Epps. Yeah. What was that like?
3: Mike Epps is my favorite person to work with. Mm, I love Mike. Because Mike is what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. It, it's no act. It's not like. <laughs> That's
4: really him. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's not like he got to be Day Day. Right. Know what I mean, it's like, damn, it's a real walking, living Day Day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I wanted somebody to have. You know, you can't replace Chris Tucker, mm-hmm. but I wanted somebody who was, you know, crazy and fun and, and and in his own right, funny. And so we was lucky to get Mike and to have him buy into the series. And you know, I've done several movies with Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, we did all about the Benjamins. That's one of my favorites. You yeah. know, janky promoters. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so you know, I I hope to work with him my whole career. I hope we just yeah. Do movies like, like a Cheech and Chong? Like y'all forever. got a
4: nice dynamic. Poetic justice. I heard a story that they came to you first to play Janet's love interest, and it just wasn't your thing.
3: Yeah, um, mm-hmm. John had wrote it for me. You know, <laughs> he was like,
0: "It would have been my." Remember you? Of a sudden. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just had one part in there that I just couldn't get down with, and I was like, John, dude, you got to change this part. And he was like, I'm not changing one word. I just got a damn Oscar nomination for my last script, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God
3: damn, John. And it was the part, I'm like, dude, I can't play a dude who kick his homie out the car over a chick he just met. Yeah. Even if it's Janet... Goddamn Jackson. Yeah, I can't do that. Do that. Yeah, he he
0: that's crazy.
3: Do that. that part that. I'm not cool with that. Yeah. I said that that ain't a part I wanna play. So
4: That's crazy. I did that. Pac picked it up and and ran with
3: it. Yeah, you know, and um I think it was better for him. You know what I'm saying? He he did a great job, you know, and he, you know, Pac is a movie star anyway. So, you know, he, he uh I went to go see it. I, I liked the movie.
0: Mm. You know, I mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Is it true you keep the head from the anaconda at your crib?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got the head. Uh yeah. shit.
0: Yeah, I got the head on my shelf. <laughs>
4: yeah, I got the head, you know.
3: It, it been there for a long time. Probably dust that bitch off. But, yeah, he be sitting there looking at me.
4: <laughs> how was the transition and how important was it for you to go from part of gangster rap creation to making kid movies, that crossover has been legendary, and I don't think anyone's had such a drastic crossover period than you.
3: You know, I always was like, you know, you can't, and you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. You know, you really, if you do, you you probably, uh... (laughs) Racist. You probably misjudging, and you probably on your heels if you do. When I did Boys in the Hood, you know, people thought, why would you do a comedy? Why would you do a movie like Friday? You know, you... You got this lane, you know. I was offered old dog too in menace. Really? Yeah, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm like, I just played Doughboy, mm-hmm. I just played Savon in Trespass. Just, yeah, Trespass I'm not yeah. gonna play another, we'll just be another killer, Dude, huh? killer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm like, nah, man. You know, I don't want it. But you know, I'm always just like, let's push the envelope, man. You know, don't box me in mm-hmm. with nothing. Don't, don't. Don't even think about it. If you think you know what I'm gonna do, you know what I mean, you wrong. So during Friday, you know, showed, okay, I could do comedy, you know, and I'm not just stuck with these dramas about the hood. And then we did Barbershop. Barbershop was a PG thirteen movie and it was Tim Story's first movie and it blew up. You know, it was a it was a movie that That's showed that we don't all think the same, you know what I'm saying? Even though if we come from the same neighborhood, that don't mean we think the same.
0: Right. So
3: I was like, well, if I could do a PG-13, can I do a PG? Can I, can I do it for the kids? Because it's crazy when you got five- and six-year-olds saying, I love Friday. Right. I'm like, what's your little ass doing watching Friday? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, huh. my fans got kids now. Mm-hmm. Let me um do something for them. Because the worst thing in the world, too, as an artist, is if your fans have to tell their kids who you was. Like, that dude Ice Cube, he used to be the shit. So you don't want that. You want the kids to know who you are. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So doing that movie, kids know who I am. You know, kids mm-hmm. love me. You know what I'm saying? Because they love Nick. They love, you know, the, the, the character on the there yet. So... It was the attempt to grab the next generation it. with quality. Mm-hmm. No, they just don't make movies like that for our kids. So right. to do something, I knew this movie's gonna stand the test of time for the youngsters, like Friday is for the adults. So it gave every age group something to to some, be down with.
4: Some ice cube. Yeah. How did Straight Outta Compton come about?
3: I didn't think about making that movie, but I heard they was gonna make it. Here we go with New Line again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so these dudes was going to make the movie Jerry Heller's version of it from mm-hmm. his book. You kidding me? I said, man, y'all want me to really pull that bat out again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all, really, y'all really want me to hurt somebody up here. Why would y'all do that, man? Y'all got to do this movie with us. Right we way. got it. Me, Dre. We got it. Mm-hmm. You know, and... um. Um Tamika who had the rights mm-hmm. to the music and yeah. the story. It's like I do the movie with the people that was there. Jerry don't know shit. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there. He came after the sauce was made. You know what I mean? He came after the dinner was laid. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, 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 you're right. So they, they pushed <laughs> him off to the side, start working on my script. We got it all the way there. And then they didn't want to spend the money to do the movie. Like They wanted to spend like 17, 18 million dollars to do straight out of Compton, which is a $34 million movie. Mm -hmm. So picture that movie done at 17 million. It's not looking as good. Mm, It's not the quality. The quality is not there. It's not as epic. We ended up, you know, thank God for Donna Langley. We ended up getting her to buy the movie and take it over to Universal and she did it right and it's you know huge history, hit history what was
4: it like watching your son play you because you just said some shit and i'm going back to the movie yes you sound you and your son sound the exact same life. when you're yeah. talking about jerry that energy came back but i felt your son on that shit too
3: it's amazing for him to be able to get the part because a lot of people think it's a shoe and i could have mm-hmm. just gave him the part but Movies, it's a process.
4: Especially the big ones.
3: If it's $34 million up, somebody's going to have something to say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had to audition. He had to go through the process. He had to get approved from the studio. So I put him through the ringer. You know, I, I actually thought that we're doing so much to this kid. He's going to quit before we even get to the set. And if he do that, then... Nobody got to know about it, you know what I'm saying? He got bit by the bug because mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, sending him to trainers to study in L.A. and New York, and I was thinking he was gonna say, "I don't want to go, man. Why am I doing this?" You know what I'm saying? But he was like, oh, "I'm with it, man. I got to meet my my acting coach," and you know, he was mm-hmm. just getting hyped about it. But I still hadn't told Gary Gray, like, because he was the first person I needed to tell. So I, I pulled Gary aside, said, "Hey, man." I said, I got to tell you something. He was like, what? I said, I want my son to play me. Gary was like, man, what the fuck? <laughs> Q, I thought we was making a real movie here, man. I said, this is a real movie. This is a real movie, Gary. Mm-hmm. You going to do to me what John Singleton did. You going to do it for my son, what John Singleton did yeah, for me. Be, yeah. You going to walk him through this. Mm-hmm. And he going to be great. Mm. And you ain't gonna find nobody better,
4: right? He knows
3: you know And so he was like, "All right, let me see." And then as the auditions and all the stuff start coming around and screen tests and camera tests, he was like, yeah, "He mm. he housed that shit? Ain't mm-hmm. nobody straight <laughs> up. Ain't nobody do it straight and up." My son said when he went to the audition <laughs> and it was other Ice Cubes there, he was mad. I was like, Man, what the what fuck f-? are you? It's like, I gotta <laughs> do this for the family. Like yeah, it's uh-huh. my family legacy <laughs> on the line. I ain't let you bozos be- play my
0: pops. Now he doing his own shit. They yeah, now he too. he
3: in Star Wars. You know he got yeah. this Obi Wan Kenobi movie. He did uh, Godzilla. I mean, he doing mm-hmm. big ass movies. And he was a fan of all these things. So to be able to be a, be a part of it to now, be a yeah. part
0: of him, he living his best life for That's real. But, um it's a movie he done recently? Oh Cent. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That's. Uh,
0: Dead Dead of thieves.
3: Thieves. That's his movie? Yeah, yeah, that's his movie. Yeah, Dead yeah. Thieves.
0: I gotta give him his props from that. Yeah. That yeah. was the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dead 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 of thieves. Yeah,
3: he was the man in that. Yeah. I mean, he flipped it on him. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at them. I'm like, man, what kind of job? and set it up for a part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah he set off. it up. Yeah, yeah. So he gonna he gonna do part two. They I came at him kid. with, with the part shit. two. Dinner thieves. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, he a good actor, man. You know, he he ain't just, you know, he ain't just bullshit. He he got the chops.
0: Speaking of your son, you know, you got another son. What's the best part of being a father?
3: Being able to teach them the game and the pitfalls that's out there for them. Being able to put them up on as much of this, um, you know, the intricate workings of this world. Putting them up on that game as much as possible. Uh, being there. You know what I'm saying? Just being there mm-hmm. as, as being present. You know, some men are home, but are you present? Right. right. Just mm-hmm. being home, being in the in the back room and shit on that game ain't present. Mm-hmm. Give them stability. Um, making sure they not, you know, some of those same old statistics, um, because of my actions, you know what I'm right, saying? Mm-hmm. Like so it's just been great to see them become, you know, respectable grown men. They just good people. Mm-hmm. And to me that's the biggest accomplishment is that they good people
4: mm. what's the biggest piece of advice you've given them you feel
3: man it's hard to say that because i give them so much so much advice mm-hmm. every day you know just telling them about who they are and what they up against is, is some of my best moments you know what i'm saying because you know my pops they from a different era you know what I'm saying? And their areas, is, you know, uh, my own business, work. You know what I'm saying? Take care of your family. Take care of your family and stop all that fucking complaining. Mm. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? That's their philosophy. Got to remember. And, and, yeah. And my philosophy is similar to that, but it's like, nah. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to fight the powers that be. Right. Mm. Yeah. Talk to Goddamn yeah.
4: right. How did the concept of the big three come about? I mean, to, to, to think what you did, and obviously, you know, Jack being right there in the mix, once you got going, I was just like, when I heard about it, I was like, this is going to be crazy if it ever happens, and you made it happen. Talk to us about that process.
3: I mean, made it happen with some great people. I mean, Stacks was the heart and soul all time leading score of uh, uh, boy, yeah, yeah. all time leading score in the league uh, <laughs> when he hung it up, and so you know he he gonna be our coach now a yes. trilogy, yep. but he set the tone. Thank you. Just being a fan, seeing seeing y'all retire and knowing, damn, I know they got more gaming. Mm. I know it. Like I'm not listening to what people are saying. I'm not listening to announcers and people who. All they want to talk about is age. All they want to talk about is how old somebody is. And they're not talking about, can you do it or you can't? Because you got young people that can't play.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right.
3: You got 21-year-olds that 23, 25, 27. That can't play. Trash. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's either you could do it or you can't. So seeing dudes retire after building up, fan base from high school junior high college pros like these dudes got fucking 20 years of fans and they just poof gone mm. like that talent has to be uh pulled somewhere where people can see these guys still play and you know doing the half court game to me was a no-brainer it's something we all Everybody in here probably play more three on three than five on five, except y'all. But but uh growing up growing up, mm-hmm. that's what you do. And and it's a great game. It's it's some of your most ferocious games are gonna be three-on-three, mm-hmm. you nowhere know to hide. Facts. You know, uh, so I said, Man, why isn't this elevated to the professional level? I would love to see seven footers in that paint banging mm-hmm. like that, you know? That would be amazing. Uh so that's where it came. It came from being a fan of the game, wanting to see it continue for people that I, you know, spent decades, you know, 15 years watching, you know what I'm saying? I want to keep watching till they say it's over. Because mm-hmm. the NBA could tell you it's over, just because the NBA tell you it's over, it's not. that don't mean it's over. Right. Mm-hmm. It's over when you say it's over. Mm-hmm. This man right here, retiring on his own terms, he mm-hmm. said Done playing pro sports. That don't mean he ain't going to ball somewhere here and there. Right. But pro level, done mm-hmm. on his terms. And the reason I, I thank him for being the heart and soul of the big three because at that combine, nobody knew. The first combine, 2017, nobody knew, what kind of league is this? Is this a pick game, all-star kind of field? We just kicking it? Is this going to go out get there and check. chill, just get a check? Yeah. And, Get a couple shots of going to 50 half court. Oh, this is easy peasy. And Stacks, he was like, yo, I ain't got no friends out here. <laughs> when I touch this ball, it's over. Don't come asking for No kind of take it easy. Nothing. Stop chilling. Stax, I don't want to hear that shit. And he walked around everybody like circling. I'm like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know me, yeah. You know That's me, what man. I want to hear. You know me, man. And he got in there. He went at him hard. You know, just nothing dirty. Just the, hardcore playing. And everybody said, man, we got to bring it. You know, I see eyes getting big. Al
0: Coutinho, everybody you know, turned it up. It
3: Damn, it was a fight. And then, <laughs> And then you got... You got Oakley. Rick Barry. Charles Oakley stopping the fight. I'm like, boy, we, we got, got something here. When you got Charles Oakley <laughs> jumping in and saying, fellas, fellas. <laughs> I'm saying, shit, we got something, man. Mm. And if he didn't do that, mm-hmm. who knows what kind of start we would have got off to. Who right. knows if we would have actually turned this from a great idea into a real league nice. where pride and game is on the line, legacy on the line. And people still willing to put it out there.
0: Mm-hmm. That meant a lot to me. I, uh, you can ask my my, my fiancé now. I took a picture of that message. I got a message from him. I think it was like late at night. And he was like, I just want to thank you for um, what you've done for the league. It's like, this league wouldn't be the way it is without you. And, you know, that mean a lot to us because I didn't get all the props I felt I deserved as an NBA player. Nice. So to be a part of a league, a professional league, and to get that from our founder, that meant a lot to me, bro. I'm going to always give you props, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You got
3: carte blanche to this league, and we're going to grow the league, yep. and we all going to, you know, sit back and think about who was there at the beginning, mm-hmm. who. Dudes didn't have to stick they. Game legacy next mm-hmm. or anything on the line for you know brother with an idea trying to make it work. I can't make it work by myself. Right. I need great athletes to buy into it, take it serious, mm-hmm. and and play to win. That's all I ask for. You know, I'll I'll pay. Just <laughs> <laughs> just come to don't win, hard, and not right. just don't play just to play. Nobody right. wants to see that shit. Mm-mm. Come to win.
0: Mm-hmm. Shout out Jeff.
3: Yeah, my man Jeff Quintinence, we thought of this together. We brainstormed for a year, argued over rules mm-hmm. um, and, you know, how we was going to treat the players in the league, and and uh, it's been a dream come true.
4: We need to get all the smokers, one of the big three sponsors. Hell yeah. Showtime. Man, please. Showtime, Showtime basketball. Just, yeah, all right, yeah, y'all got
3: the contract? <laughs> Be right there. Be <laughs> yeah, here, man. Let's make it happen.
4: Hey, so you guys took a hiatus, obviously, with COVID. You're returning. Tell us about your return this year
3: are we back this year yes sir. um now we've uh looked at our sport you know the youngsters start calling it fireball the way fireball we play game.
0: yep
3: so we've decided to lean into that oh, okay and so. you know this is not your grandfather's three on three right? right you know what i'm saying this is a whole different sports like you got boxing and you got ufc
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know what i'm saying you know You got the NBA plays basketball. Mm -hmm. The big three plays fireball, three. Uh And it's a different game, and it got its own wrinkles that may not be, you know, with traditional basketball. And we wanted to be able to start to make our own superstars. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're getting younger this year. We're letting um, players as young as 22. Uh, join the league, and we also are having an open tryout. Um, and we'll invite ten players to our combine, Mm. and Nick, you getting the combine? You got a chance. When's the
4: tryout? So everybody know
3: we're working it out. You know, hopefully we can get it up. Um, looking at middle of May. Okay. Um, two different cities. We'll make the announcement for the ballers that's out there that want to give it a shot, and it's gonna be are coaches and captains picking who mm-hmm. get to go to the combine. But okay. 10 players will get a chance to compete in the combine. And if you get to the combine, you know, Stack, yep. you might make a team. Mm-hmm. You, might make a team. Mm-hmm. you might make a team. So that's unique mm-hmm. in sports. It gives, you know, athletes out there who are might not be great, you know, on the full court, NBA level, but might be perfect yeah. uh, mm-hmm. fireball three ballers you know what i'm saying big three ballers so, so, wait, so
4: is it wait, is it going to be called fireball three now or what, what the name what of the, the game
3: is called fireball, fireball three okay. but it's still the league big is three. still the big Got three. You, got you. i, yeah. I mean
4: what, the homie uh frank nitty frank yeah he was a drew league legend yes you know what i mean he never really got a chance in the league real life but through your big three mm. got an nba tryout
3: that's what it's all about mm-hmm. you know uh we not stopping any of those dreams you know we want to give these guys a platform right. where they can show, look, I can play at this level. Just give yeah. me a chance. You got
4: Joe Johnson another run in the league. Yeah,
3: you know, and that's what it's all about. You know, we welcome that. It gives our league credibility. Right. People think, you know, well, I don't have to just go to the G League. I can, you know, the big three guys. stepping stone, too. You know, games on CBS. You know what I mean? Mm. I could be seen every Saturday on CBS. Mm, so if I, that's if what a lot of people ball don't up.
0: know, though. You, you, like, a lot of basketball players, financially and mentally were at a place where they had nowhere to go. And that big three saved a lot of them. I know, you know, it's, it's not opposition position to say names, but I know a lot of people that then came to me and gave me words that should have been directed to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, man? I'm glad this league here, man. I, you, bro, you, don't, you know, having real conversations because mm-hmm. I didn't been around. Mm-hmm. Man, you don't know where I was last week, bro. This, you know, this 10 racks a week helping me, bro. Mm-hmm. Baby mama, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mm-hmm. got a lot of Straight players up. might not say it to you, mm-hmm. but you saving lives, bro. Come on, man, you changing. That's
3: life. what it's all about too, man. I, I look at myself as a, <clears throat> you know, a rap, I, I do movies. <clears throat> but if somebody came to me at 35, 36, it's like, cute. It's over, man. No more records, no more movies. You're done. You're out the league. Mm. Like, how would that make me feel? Right. You know what I'm saying? When you know you still got more in the tank, Mm -hmm. you still you know you can out-raps all these you know youngsters coming up, and you know you can still act you know uh, with the best of them. So you know that. How would that make me feel? And I just have that sympathy for the athletes that we love we cherish we cheer we these are our heroes and we let them down at the end of the at the end of their career and treat them like they that they never played the game man and it's it's uh you know not no more you know you got a home you can come to the big three if you still got game you can make a squad come on
4: i I think it was perfect you know obviously jack's nba career ended before it should have you yes. know what I mean? And he fought his ass to try to get back, and shit didn't work. So that, to me, as a friend, seeing him go and do what he did in the big three and get to leave on his own terms, like, okay. that shit was dope
3: to me. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's all about knowing I'm done. I can watch now. Right. I don't I don't care if I touch that ball mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Worse to be sitting there with the itch
0: thinking, oh, man, I wish I was out there. But what other league did I know that I, me, person, Stevie Jackson, can walk away as a lead scorer, then walking straight into a coach position. I don't know no other league, so you know what I'm saying that's Talk why to. that's why I didn't mind giving my all to it because I know from day one the first thing of he told us, take care. this league gonna only be what we make it. Mm. Yes. you know what I mean. And it was it was a lot of players that didn't understand that at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, but the core guys understood that. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
3: And it's still like that. Yep. We still gotta we still got a lot of opposition. Yep. A lot of a lot of people want to only play with the big boys, mm-hmm. and you know we like look. We coming. We 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 some of the most exciting basketball in the summer. And you know, it, it takes everybody, it takes all hands on deck to continue to 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 blow this league up. Mm,
4: straight up. Outside of the Lakers thoughts on teams and players, you kind of get when you get some time you, you like to check out?
3: Man, Dame Lillard. Mm, everybody's mm, God named.
4: damn.
3: <laughs> I love his guy. Mm-hmm. I love his attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's what is what you want. You yeah, know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's, he's like, y'all, you want...
0: The soldier.
3: Yeah. You don't want nobody in there all friendly, friendly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you want... war. Yeah, you want that, you know, gunfighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I come in to seek and destroy. I come <laughs> in to...
0: <laughs> Bring them all. Know,
3: yeah. So, when I see those type of players, you know, they become my favorite athletes when they got game over the ones who are just, you know, nice to everybody and... <laughs> you don't know if they care if they win or not. Yeah. You know, Lakers repeat,
0: you
3: think? I think we got what it takes to repeat. If we healthy. Health. It's all about health. Um, but it's cool that these youngsters and uh, these new players are getting a chance to play yeah. without uh, LeBron and, and AD and win. You know, they showing like, yo, we we Lakers too. It ain't mm-hmm, all yeah. about them two players. So I think that's going to help us in the long Absolutely. run. But, you know, Brooklyn, is, they look mm, tough, man. Really you know, they, they done stacked up, and we'll see. Mm, health is key. Yeah.
4: Thoughts on how you fell in love. Obviously, you started early, but you fell in love with the game in the early 80s. Obviously, a very physical, defensive-minded game. To see what it is from there to how it's 130, 40-point games and barely any defense. Thoughts on kind of the evolution of the NBA?
3: I like a, a, a strong competitive game, you know, I like, you know, regular season NBA games are okay. Playoff games, to me, is what's, what it's all about. You really get to see, you know, the nit- guys getting down to the nitty-gritty and giving that extra effort on defense, you know. Um, but it, it it is, you know, strange sometimes because I remember hearing, like, no layups in the playoffs, and actually seeing it—it it meant that. <laughs> it meant that, mm-hmm. like going there for a layup, man, you better have your mm-hmm. gun out. <laughs> like, you know what <laughs> I'm saying? So to see dudes just go lie to the rack, you know, <laughs> it's different. like with nobody really, you know, challenging hard. Um, mm, that's why I let certain things go on in my league. You know, not. I don't want hard fouls at the y'all get, rim, y'all get but I do though. want, um, you know, the hand checking and letting guys actually play defense and mm-hmm. stay in front of a guy. And I think that's important. You know, nobody want to see, you know, 150 point game every, every time out. Mm-hmm. You
4: know? Recently the, 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 the great DMX is, is hospitalized. You posted a studio session with him. Obviously we're all sending our prayers to him. How special was he as an
3: artist? I mean, he was one of the greatest to ever touch the mic. At his height, he was as big as any rapper out there, was selling five and six million copies. Um, I got a chance to work with him early before he even like blew up. I think before he even had his first, might have had one record on the radio. Um, I was doing a We Be Clubbing remix. DJ Clark Kent, shout out Clark Kent, the homie. He uh, he was like, all right Q, who you want? I can get anybody in New York on this. Who you want? And I was like, man, I'm hearing about this young kid I heard on the radio, man, named DMX. He's like, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Mm. He said, you want him? I said, yeah. He said, all right, I'll get him. He went, got DMX. DMX was like, man, thank you. Thank you for putting me down. You know what I'm saying? And then we did the track. It was bananas. And um, I flew him and the Rough Riders out to shoot the video. Mm. You know, I remember meeting Eve before she was even a star. You know, she mm-hmm. was just part of the Rough Rider crew, just hanging out. So just seeing him blow up and do movies and mm-hmm. um and then, you know, go through his issues and then hear his backstory on crazy, you know, old, you know, dirty ass Ouch. you know fake ass. Yeah, OG. you know, got him hooked on that shit. So um, you know, I I still, you know, hope for the best, wish for the best, believe he gonna pull through and be the same old DMX, he always been, so I'm Ooh, praying for him. Absolutely sending love and prayers to the
0: family. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. You, E forty. Too short, Snoop Dogg. Ooh, can't wait. We waiting on it. Yeah, man, we, we gotta we done
3: did so many dope records, like we got shit in the can. You know, we arguing on which one's coming out first, which you know. So it's fun. It's fun being a part of something that's, you know, building in anticipation and 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 know that we got good music. It's Mm -hmm. not just, you know, hype. Mm -hmm. So we know we got the shit and Mm -hmm. we know people want it. Now it's just about, you know, we doing stuff, getting our visuals together, photo shoots, videos. We just want to be cocked and loaded before we Mm -hmm. drop
0: the bomb. I might as well go and drop a big a big three song.
3: Well, you know, we got a song that uh that I cut together. We did a song called Locked In.
0: Mm-hmm. I and heard
3: it. We, we we done cut it to the big three stuff. Yeah, so I heard maybe it. that'll hold throughout the whole summer. If not, we'll we'll do something new.
4: Yeah. We had uh 40 and uh short on the show and they their excitement was they was ready.
3: Yeah, they man. Ready. You know, everybody <laughs> is rejuvenated and excited, and we know this is an epic project mm-hmm. and we plan to do you know, multiple records.
4: Will Dre make a make an appearance? Yeah, he
3: on a song. He on one uh, of those songs yeah. called I think it's called Block Cowboy. So yes, sir. Yeah, you know, whenever you get the doc on it, it take it to another level.
4: If you were gonna create the best big three player from the past or
3: present, who would it be? I think a player like, you know. Damn, Pastor, man, come on, mm, man. Come on, man. Too many ballers out there. But, you know, if you had a game, you know, a person like Scottie Pippen mm. who can do it all long, um, you know, he's a damn near a smaller version of Giannis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah. Pip was cold,
3: and, and, yeah, he got that, that kind of athleticism I think he would – you know, any player like that would be great in the league. Because you gotta have all your skills. You know, anything you weak at, is gonna going show.
4: Right. It's definitely gonna get exposed. You know, it's
3: like that's why some players that did great in the NBA didn't do so well in the big three yeah, because well, yeah. Anything that you weak at, you, they gonna it's going to be exposed. What
4: I loved was I introduced my twins to it at the time, and they want to say they were eight or nine, and we watched a handful of games. Actually, watched the playoff run, and then the next season they're watching it without me. Kids you know love the big three, absolutely,
3: um, because they play they play three on three mm-hmm. when they get to school. Mm-hmm. Or I'm saying, with their yeah, friends. They, they, don't guys, they, they don't have, have enough room to play tens. Yep, five, and three on three. Our games are fast. You know, you can see a big a game in an hour mm-hmm. or less. You know, our games are used about. Thirty-five and fifty-five minutes per game, so you know you ain't sitting there three hours. And there's no, there's no garbage minutes because there are no minutes. You got to play. <laughs> yes. You know, you buckets yeah, or not. Buckets straight up, you know. So everybody play from start to finish without no. Oh, we're about to win this, so I can mm-hmm. kick back. None of that. I've a team have uh, forty-eight to thirty-seven and lose Took the
4: foot off the gas yeah
3: and lose yeah crazy you know it's you gotta keep playing till you get 50 or more
4: real quick i mean i'm I'm such a huge fan and this is not on the last part but any Pock stories that stand out to you working with him getting to know him
3: i hung out with him mostly when he was with digital mm, before. and uh before he started going solo and i just remember he was a ball of energy he uh he was just a fun dude to hang around you know, one of those dudes that was like the life of the party, you know, you'd hear him coming a mile away. We had did a show somewhere in the Bay Area, and it's like, gotta be three in the morning, four, like, everybody done, done shut it down. You know what I mean? we been partying all night, and shut it down. Pac still up, come knocking on my door. You sleep? Man, fuck that. Get dressed. Get dressed. We're going downstairs, man. We're going to keep this going. I'm like, Pac, homie, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I'm like, man, I never get tired. He fucked with me for about 20 minutes at the door. Just won't leave. I'm like, man, I ain't going down there, man. And then I just see him just, you know, like, I'm gone. I'm going to tell you how I was and just bouncing off the walls. And I'm like, man, this dude's having a ball with this shit. Yeah. So, you know, Pac was one of those dudes who, you know, people knew him on one level, but, you know, you get him one-on-one and you realize you're dealing with a smart, humble dude. You know what I mean? And that's what I remember about him. You know, it was like you always was happy to see him coming. You know what I'm saying? When Pac was around, we was, we'd was be up at Echo Sound doing records. Pac was doing his solo album. I remember he... He started driving this shit. He'm like, man, I wrecked this, I wrecked his bins two or three times. It's like, man, I didn't drive when I was young. We didn't, we didn't drive on the East Coast at all. So, got to the West Coast, I ain't worried about driving. Like, man, don't kill yourself in that damn thing. <laughs> so, I just remember him being uh, just a good dude. He was always loving what we was doing because he was he was sending me like, man, I do my solo shit, man. I want to make records. Make them kind of records about the hood like y'all do because mm. it's ill where I live, man. It's crazy where I live and don't nobody know. I need to talk to, I need to tell people about that shit. Like, man, I, I would just encourage him, like, you got to do what you feel or it ain't gonna, you ain't gonna be happy with it.
4: But ain't it, ain't that crazy? I mean, obviously that's Pac and there's a million more people. Just the inspiration you gave the everyday person that looked like you and looked in your neighborhood, the inspiration you gave them
3: it's a blessing you know cuz i i was given that same inspiration from other you know mc's or people that you know showed me the way you know ice t was a great mentor you know for young mc trying to figure it out because he had went through a lot of stuff um with 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 his lyrics and he gave me the best advice any mc ever gave me which was um don't rap it if you don't if you can't explain it. Like don't don't just be rhyming shit. Mm. Like know what you're talking about because they're gonna ask you about it. You want to know every line. You want to know why you wrote it, what it means to you, and so you can intelligently explain yourself when they come at you about them because they coming at you. And you did that. Yeah. So that was great advice mm-hmm. because you know as a rapper you're just trying to rhyme clever shit. It's slick talk. You know what I mean? Slick talking. But when you start getting into the political areas, you have to know what you're doing and know what you're saying and know what you're talking about.
4: All-time NBA starting five. Ice Cube starting five. All-time.
3: Damn. At guard, I got magic. Oof. Lord.
4: You could do it with Lakers alone.
3: Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> At the two, I got Kobe. At the three, I got LeBron. Mm-hmm. At the four, wow, I got a uh, Tim Duncan.
1: Mm.
3: At the five, I got Shaq.
4: Mm, it's tough. Not losing very many. (laughs) Not at all. And that's when you finish. Uh, Five dinner guests, dead or alive. You plus five around the table for dinner.
3: The homie uh, Crazy Tunes, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandfather, rest in peace. My grandmother, rest in peace. Um, John Singleton. I mean, I lost a lot of homies, but...
0: But for people that know people, give me Weather Spoon. If you could pick a guest for us to have on All the Smoke, who would it be? But you have to help us get this guest that's on. That's the part.
3: Y'all tell me which one y'all want. I uh, mean, I'm hearing all was, these names. Was, man. Chris Tucker. Uh, you
0: got a lot of names now. Uh, Ice-T. You said a lot of people now.
3: Did y'all have Kevin Hart on here? No. No. no bam. No, that's
0: a good that's one. That's what
3: we need. Kevin Hart.
0: Y'all are funny. That's what
4: we need. People. Y'all, y'all a love funny duo. Y'all love <laughs> money duo. Oh, that would be like. Hey, man, that's a wrap. Ice Cube, man, we appreciate hey, your man, time, G. brother. Appreciate thank you. Me. It was an appreciate honor. You. Y'all got to have me back, sir. man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, man, you can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects. See y'all next week.
0: Big three. Yeah, yay. This is All a Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
3: ATT connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work.